everyone. This is Sherry Purdy. And I'm Miriam Lake. And you are listening to Your Best Life, powered by Mercy One. We are extremely excited to have two awesome guests in our studio today. It is on breast health awareness. It is October, and we need to talk about those girls and all the factors for people out there that may be at high risk. We're going to talk about screening guidelines and finally recommendations to screen at 40 or even before if you are if you have family members that have had breast cancer. So we got a lot to get to today. We're really excited that you're listening. We're really excited to have these two experts on our panel. And we hope that you guys listen and ask us any questions you may have that we can answer in future podcasts. Thanks for listening. It's podcast at mercyhealth.com. Please share us um, anything that you want to, your opinions on today's podcast or any questions you may have. So let's get started. Hi, I'm Dr. Meghna Krishnan. They call me Dr. Meg, breast imaging radiologist. Hi, I'm Kelly Flocker, and I'm the supervisor of mammography services for Mercy One. All right, so we're just going to jump right in and uh, start talking about something that is extremely close to my heart. Uh, October is National Breast Awareness Month, and we have these two great experts on here today to talk about breast health breast awareness, the importance of doing yearly physicals and mammograms, um, learning about, you know, the myths out there for women to know and men to know about breast cancer, uh, just to make an awareness to our, our listeners out there, the importance of knowing your breast health and getting those yearly exams. So we're going to start off right away asking you guys, what is the new recommendations as far as women and men getting breast exams? The uh, American College of Radiology uh, recommends women after the age of 40 to get annual screening mammograms. In addition to that, um, self-breast exams once a month, maybe, that would be ideal, from the age of 20. And um, also clinical breast examination with a provider once or twice a year. Now, the new recommendation that I would say is uh, the one that came out in 2018 uh, from that is from January 2018, um, the Iowa Breast Health uh, a bill was released saying that women have to be notified um, the density of their breasts in the letter that comes to their house. Whenever a radiologist reads a mammogram, they report the composition of the breast in terms of fat versus breast tissue. The more the breast tissue, the more bright the mammogram is, and more likelihood that a cancer could be hiding and the radiologist may not pick it up. So we put that in the report so that we can tell um, the, the provider who's sending that patient to us, hey, how difficult the mammogram was. The new rules uh, requires us now to actually notify the patient in addition to the provider. So the patient uh, will get a letter uh, saying whether she has dense breasts or not. And it is recommended that she consult with her referring provider to know what to do with that information. Now, women with dense breasts, um, the guidelines, our recommendations are that they definitely have once-a-year mammogram. In addition to that, they may benefit with other imaging modalities to look deeper into the, or look better into the breast. Those modalities are typically ultrasound or breast MRI. And at Mercy One, uh, we are happy to provide the most sensitive examination for dense breasts, and that is breast MRI. So the patient can talk to her referring provider and see if that is something that she would like to have in addition to the mammogram once a year. 
that was actually going to be one of my questions because I was just at my physician two months ago and was uh, told that I have dense breast tissue. And um, she said that if we wanted to look into it further, you could possibly do an ultrasound. But is that depending on whether or not your insurance company pays for it? Do you have to check with them? Yes, like everything else. You know, I mean, there are uh, situations where insurance may not cover. The breast MRI for dense breasts is something kind of new for the insurance world. Um, but at Mercy One, we, we want the women to benefit from this testing because we want to save lives. We are here for the women, not for any other reason. So the so you had mentioned that you have your yearly mammogram and it, in that mammogram the radiologist may detect dense breasts and then ask to get further information and that's what you're talking about right now the additional that's de- a choice okay she can okay make. okay and um, if insurances pay for it would you highly recommend getting that additional baseline for the dense breasts absolutely okay. I think. Um, I mean, we hear a lot of sad stories of women being told uh, that uh, they have a breast cancer that was not seen on the recent mammogram. They feel a lump three months after a mammogram. And it's like they come back for testing. They come to us and we do an ultrasound maybe and see, you know, uh, sadly a le- big lesion. And we're like, why couldn't we see this? And, oh, she has dense breasts. Yeah, mammogram has that limitation for dense breasts. Now, within mammograms, we have something called 3D mammogram, which is the best of the mammograms right now. And definitely women with dense breasts and those who don't have dense breasts will benefit from a 3D mammogram as the mammogram. But even 3D mammogram can come short of detecting those cancers that maybe other modalities could have picked up. Between ultrasound and MRI, studies have shown that MRI is so much more sensitive that, um, I mean, at Mercy One, we feel that would be the best choice for women in our neighborhood. And I would like to also address, as far as um, the density law that passed in January of 2018, that women in Iowa needed to be notified of their breast density. Throughout the United States, I would say there, I, I don't have the exact number on me, but it's 40 plus states require that women find out what their density of their breast tissue is. However, there's less than 10 states that mandate insurance coverage to pay for additional testing. So that's unfortunate. And I know that the Army of Pink in Iowa is really um, hitting up their congressmen and stuff and trying to get a law passed that insurance would have to um, cover additional testing based on breast density. But at this point, it's been somewhat of a struggle. You know, I love the Army of Pink I love that statement. And I read somewhere, I think through the American Cancer Association, that one in eight women will get breast cancer in the United States. And so I think having that army of pink out there talking to our legislators is so important because it affects all of us. And if we, you know, I said earlier, this is very close to my heart because my mother had breast cancer 12 years ago, cancer warrior, cancer survivor. And so you know, Kelly has helped me many times in my mammograms, and um, I feel like this is something that every state should definitely fight for women who have dense breasts to get this done and to get this covered because it is a curable cancer. It's one of the most curable cancers out there. So if we can detect it early, why not do it? You know, be proactive to it. So hopefully every state has those pink warriors out there doing that for them. So Yeah, I feel like it's a two-part thing where 
we got the um, mandate in there that women are women should know their breast density and are able to know that now. But now the second part is is to get their insurance on board to cover the additional screening that they need. Why do you think that there's so many young women getting diagnosed with breast cancer? Usually, you know, you hear 40, 50, 60 year olds, but not now we're getting 20, 30 year olds. I think no one knows the answer to that. But generally speaking, one needs to know their uh, family history into the picture. I mean, I think every woman uh, should take an effort to kind of uh, see what her lifetime risk for breast cancer is. There are many known genetic conditions that predispose women to early breast cancer as early as in their 20s. So a woman would do well if she can call our breast center and ask us to maybe calculate her score if she doesn't have the genetic information of every gene you know that may have played a role in her family history and that way we can you know kind of tell her when she needs to start screening every woman needs to be vigilant she needs to do her self breast exams once or twice a year examination by a provider but women with uh, elevated lifetime risk for breast cancer or a strong family history of breast cancer would do well by screening from age 30 they can have once a year mammogram and once a year MRI, which is thankfully well supported by insurance these days. How much does lifestyle play a factor as far as, you know, your exercise routine, what you eat, stress levels, things like that? So the two main risk factors for breast cancer are being a woman and getting older. We know those two are the two risk factors, which sadly we can't really <laughs> modify or alter now. But I, we we do see that I mean, we do um, extrapolate from other uh, cancer situations and also in general studies suggesting, it's not a, a foremost factor, but there are some lifestyle measures that women could adopt to do well. But we do run into breast cancers in athletes and fitness trainers and awesomely, you know, the people who are into uh, wellness and all they can do. So I, I, I don't think those are the foremost things, but certainly it's good to be wise. It could, it's good to be uh, doing the best you can. You know, uh, we think that being a woman, getting older, and then genetic factors play the f top three, um, you know, factors for this. Uh, but certainly we uh, would do well if we can maintain our weight and eat healthy um, and not smoke and maybe cut down on the drinking as well because those, I mean, smoking is known to cause so many cancers anyway that um, in this in the whole realm of everything you can do in this big picture of you know kind of fighting against breast cancer I think prevention is the key thing and if um, you can alter something I think you should do it. What do you look for specifically in a physician I mean what should women look for as far as wanting more answers on those specific questions Kelly? I would say um we are part of, we are an accredited breast center and we're accredited by the National Accreditation Program for Breast Centers. And by being an accredited center, what that means is we're held to a higher standard to make sure that we're providing consistent and complete care for every woman that comes in our doors. Um, so one thing to look at is to see if the facility is truly invested in breast health. Are they accredited? Are they certified or, the, you know, that type of thing? Uh, radiologists, it's, it's very helpful to have a breast fellowship trained radiologist because that's what they live and breathe. That's what they do. Same with a surgeon. You want a surgeon that's invested. You want a surgeon that's willing to go to the extra um, conferences and the extra education and have that commitment for those women. 
So those are the types of things that you want to look for. Um, you want to go to a facility that is very experienced with their technologist and their radiologist. And I think that's huge because if you don't have that initially and you're going to a facility that you're not sure how comfortable they are with reading the mammograms and different things like that, you risk the chance of missing something early on. And that's kind of our goal with screening mammography. And one other thing I want to stress too is that I always try to tell women if you've got a concern or issue and, and your report comes back completely negative, and if that concern or issue continues, you have to advocate for your own health. Absolutely. Pursue it. Go see someone, you know, check it out a little bit further or keep an eye on it and make sure things don't change. But don't just always accept that everything is okay because as Dr. Meg said, you know, if you have dense breast tissue, something could be hiding in there. We can't see it with imaging but you, you need to palpate that. You need to keep an eye on it. You maybe perhaps even need to see a surgeon regarding that to see if it's something that you need biopsied or if it's a change. So one of the things that women can do themselves is just be breast health aware. And you had mentioned, you know, let's let's just get to the nitty gritty of the basics of the boobies or the girls. OK, so I'm a listener and I've never had a mammogram. I'm a little scared to go in for my first mammogram because you hear about the pinching or this, you know, the grat, you know, you hear horror stories about it. And I'll be honest with you, Kelly, you're fantastic. <laughs> I hardly feel a thing. I mean, it's, it's one of those things that the first time I walked in to get my mammogram, I was a little nervous. I wasn't, I didn't know what to expect because I've heard stories of, oh, it pinches, it hurts. And honestly, it, you guys are so fantastic. You mammographers are so fantastic. Um, they put your mind at ease about every single test that they're doing. They talk you through it. And that's just not here. That's everywhere, I'm sure. But what can we tell those listeners out there? The importance of, you know, breast health, checking your breasts daily or weekly, and then coming in for a mammogram. What can we tell them to say, these are the expectations. This is what you should expect. Um, and how do you palpulate? You mentioned that word. How do you do that? Can you explain a little bit more in detail for those listeners out there who have never done it? I think uh, no one can really teach someone how to palpate. It's a personal thing you do. But in general, um, I mean, um, there are many, many online resources that they can um, look into and kind of learn more clearly in terms of understanding the details. We can't really say it over the over, the, uh, over this podcast, maybe. Mm -hmm. But definitely, um, um, I think that's very important. They can ask their clinical providers. They can ask their OB-GYNs or family practice or referring physicians, you know, to to teach them how to do it. And um, I think um, the even the technology these days is so good. The the paddles, the mammography mm -hmm. paddles are really, you know, I'm a young person, so I had, I, I had my first mammogram not too long ago, mm -hmm. and I was scared. <laughs> I was a physician. I'm <laughs> a radiologist. You, know, you were scared. Exactly. <laughs> and here I am reading mammograms yeah. for all, yeah. and I, I had to have my first mammogram. I was like, okay, let's see how it feels and how it goes. And it was not a problem, mm -mm. really. And it's just four seconds of the 3D mammogram image. Each view is four seconds. So 16 seconds of maybe just staying in one place. It's not really that pain or discomfort. I had no worries. It was so quick and fast. I was out there in no time. I think it's all in the mind. Once you get there, you just leave very fast. Mm -hmm. I've done this now for 30 years, and things have changed so much over the 30 years. Um, technologists are better equipped with the equipment that we have. Um, it makes it a little bit easier, but we're also trained a little more than we ever used to be too. 
Um, when I started, it was kind of a learn on the job type of thing. And, and we have training purposes now and, and different educational programs. But yes, it, it does not take long at all. As far as breast self-exam, you're going to hear conflicting stories in the news and you're going to hear conflicting stories regarding screenings too. And in fact, I, I believe it's American Cancer Society perhaps that says to be breast aware instead of promoting actually doing breast self-exam. The reason I feel it so strongly promoting the breast self-exam is how can you be breast aware if you don't feel your breast and you don't know what's there? I would give a suggestion that in the shower sometimes is a good time to do that because if your fingers are soapy, they'll run over the skin and glide over the skin. There's a couple different patterns you can use. You can use a circular pattern and use the pads of three of your fingers and use a circular pattern and try to palpate the entire breast. You can go ahead and push a little bit. It's not going to hurt you to push that because you have to push to be able to feel something. And the whole key is, is, is I've heard so many women say to me, I can't tell what's what, you know, they always feel lumpy bumpy. Well, I guarantee if this is something that you get used to doing, you will notice when there's a change in that lumpy bumpy feel. So that's that's okay to feel the lumpy bumpy, but just make sure every year you're checking that or every month, I'm sorry, every month you're checking that to see if that has changed. And, and that is truly key. I can't tell you how many women have come into our center that have felt something themselves. And so I, I really, truly, wholeheartedly believe that we need to continue the breast self-exam. And as far as yearly screening with the different guidelines that have come out, it's been very confusing for women in our community, community and surrounding communities. Um, the one thing that I would state that even though some organizations vary on what they recommend now, they still say that yearly mammography after 40 gives you the maximum benefit. Now, I don't know about you, but I want the maximum oh, benefit. Yeah. Yeah. I don't want to hope that I can go two or three years in between and everything is okay. I want the max benefit mm -hmm. and insurance covers the max benefit. So insurance will cover your yearly screening. So some people think because they've heard differing guidelines that their insurance may not cover, but every two or three years, we have not found that to be the case. Women that are still coming in yearly are getting that paid for. And, you know, a lot of times it's in the hustle bustle of life. You just don't want to take the time. Okay, so if they say I can get away with two to three years of not having a mammogram, I'll just do it. Honestly, it saves lives. It saved my mom's life by doing a yearly mammogram. It wasn't recommended for her. Um, she did it because her physician said every year you should get one. You know, he, he just basically said, you need to get one. And that's what saved her life. They found it in a mammogram. But like you said, in between times... A year is a long time Yes, to know your breasts, to know your, your girls very well, because, you know, one of my best friends a couple of years ago felt a lump that was not there the month before. And she let it go for another month, but it changed. The feeling of it changed. And she did find out she had breast cancer just because she knew her girls well. And she had her mammogram four months prior to that. So right. you never know when cancer pops up. It can happen very quickly because hers was an aggressive form of cancer too. So, and she's a warrior. She's a cancer survivor. So I think not only yearly, but those weekly, those definitely knowing how your breast tissue feels is so important to know. Right. And that's how I define breast aware. That's how you have to know what your breasts feel like and you have to be okay with feeling them each month without getting super excited about something. But if something changes, what's the harm in getting it checked out? And we've tried to, you mentioned time. 
we've tried to make this as convenient as we can for women. Um, from the time they enter our facility to the time they leave is about 15 minutes. Mm -hmm. So to me, that is 15 minutes worth of, of potentially saving your life is super important. The other thing is, is that, you know, some of the studies that have, you know, tried to say you can go longer in between, they're looking at life expectancy down the road and does it change if it's found a little later than versus early? Well, here's what I would ask you is that if you found a breast cancer, wouldn't you want to find the early one where you needed less treatment, less aggressive type of treatment than finding something down the road that requires more chemotherapy than you would have had to have if you even needed to have it at an early stage. Sometimes you even, you don't need that at all. Or, you know, it gives you more options in your treatment if you find it early versus a later stage cancer. What's the new statistics out as far as um, the cancer survivor rate? I mean, the randomized controlled trials that were done for the 2D mammograms um, way back in the 1960s to 70s in multiple countries um, showed a 30 to 35 percent drop in mortality from screening mammograms. So yearly they, screening. Yearly screening. Year I mean, they, they separated women into two halves and they said this batch will get mammograms, this batch will not get mammograms. They really forced that they cannot get it. So th you can't do that these days to really do these kind of tests because women are no one's going to agree to that because right. now we know they help <laughs> right. lives, even any other modality that we know of. So um, so that was done and we showed that 30 to 35% drop in mortality, meaning women who got mammograms lived 30 to 35% longer than the women who did not get mammograms. So, so that is the big number that we know uh, that we have uh, to show from our studies. Um, and, uh, you know, now... Uh, like you said, one in eight women, that's about 12% chance, you know, 12% um, uh, of the women, I would say, in the United States of America are likely to get breast cancer. But the number of women who die from breast cancer has come down tremendously, like we said, 30 to 35% at least. And we think it's because of two reasons. One is early detection. Second, we think is because of better treatment. But the treatment colleagues definitely agree with us that early detection will make the treatment easier. So make time for those 15 minutes. Yes, and breast cancer is the most common cancer in women. It's the number one cancer. So I think we got to pay attention to this one number one threat to our lives. Mm -hmm. If you want to hit something that's really out there to kill you, attack you, you got to know the enemy. And the number one enemy is breast cancer for women. So let's not play light with it. You had mentioned too, Dr. Meg, that um, genetics plays a, a component to making sure that you're getting checked if you had a family member that had breast cancer. And I remember when my mom had it, right away my um, OBGYN physician said, you need to have a baseline done. I was younger than 40, and I, I can't remember how old I was. I'm not going to tell you on this podcast, because <laughs> then you'll figure out how old I am now. Mm -hmm. But um, so... And it was a lot younger than 40, but he said, you need a baseline because your mother had it. So how far do you go back? I mean, what, for genetics anyway, do you look at your aunts? Do you look at just your grandparents, your mother, your father? I mean, what, what should people know about the genetic factor? So we, um, we have various risk assessment models that have looked, have studied women 
in various population groups and have come up with various uh, factors that may play a role in breast cancer, including genetic um, history. So we do have uh, something called Tyrer Cusick Risk Assessment Model. That is a calculator that allows us to enter in all the various details about the patient, including family history. And it goes down to mother, sister, grandmother, paternal, maternal, aunts, paternal, maternal, even men, families, that is family tree of maybe in the father or other uh, even twins and various cousins. You know, you can plug in various family people who've had breast cancer or ovarian cancer and come up with a score that will tell you how likely you are to get breast cancer. And if that score is above 20%, then that person, that woman is termed a high-risk individual for breast cancer. And they would benefit by being more proactive, like starting early screening from age 30. Adding MRI to the screening, which is insurance covered, thankfully, in, in for high-risk patients, for high-risk yes. women, yeah. So, and you know, so and we have the high-risk program in our facility. So, women who have a family history of breast cancer, I think, should really look into their score, even if they are BRCA negative. There are some genes that we know are really, you know, known well known to us, like BRCA one and two. But there are so many newer known genes that we are coming to understand that are not really well known but they certainly play a role and it's uh, either she can go for genetic testing but then there are many many condition situations where there's really no genetic risk factor detected mm -hmm. the gene is fine but the woman her mother her grandmother had breast cancer so we don't have all the answers so the best thing she can do in those kind of situations is maybe use this kind of risk assessment model the calculator, either they can call our breast center or call your, the breast center near them that knows how to you know, tell them about the calculator and kind of see where they stand as a lifetime risk for breast cancer. That's interesting because, you know, we hear so much about the BRCA1 and nobody's really said it like, but there's so many other types that genetically you could be prone to having that. So we talk about family history and, and women who have a family history usually tend to know that, yes, I need to get my mammo um, yearly. But I'll tell you, that doesn't always play a role. Some women will come in and say, well, I skipped a few years because I don't have any family history. I'm not worried about it. And I'll tell you, we do find breast cancers in women who have absolutely no family history, but now their family does have a history because they have it. So we can't always use family history as the only reason to really be sure and get in and get your mammogram. Just being female is your greatest risk. So ladies, get your mammograms done. It doesn't take much time. It's not painful. 15 minutes getting there and get it done. All right. So I, uh, I have had mammograms since my mother was diagnosed. And I've had a couple of false positives during that time, which freaked me out. I'm not going to lie. When I get that call back, you need to come in and do additional testing. Um, and thankfully, they were false positives. But can you hit upon what a false positive means and why someone would get a call to come back on that? False positive means the radiologist was looking at your mammogram and they saw maybe an area that looked questionable as maybe a cancer and they called you back just to see if they can get better focused imaging of that area and maybe through mammograms, ultrasound, or even MRI if needed down the road. But the whole idea is there may be a cancer hiding, let me catch it. That's the 
the the well intention of the radiologist but when the woman comes for testing the mammograms the ultrasound and anything done to evaluate that area show that there was nothing there or there was a there was a spot that was benign maybe it was a cyst maybe it was something else but not a breast cancer so that was like a false positive situation and i i i, I mean i appreciate the false positives to me getting that second call from a radiologist saying, you know what, I might see something, let's be 100% sure and bring you back is so much more um, important to me than saying, we'll wait till next year and keep an eye on it. Let's keep an eye on it right now and let's get that accurate 100% reading. So to me, I even though I've gotten those false positives, I just feel like the radiologist is doing their job. They're wanting to be 100% safe on that. And I would say in most facilities that deal with breast health, the callback rate or, or the amount of times we bring a woman back in is is very small. Um, the national average, what, what would you say that is? About 5 to 10%. Mm-hmm. So if a radiologist reads 100 mammograms, they will call maybe 5 of them, 10 of them. It's not like a lot of them. So and among those, you know, um, so those are the only few. I mean, it, it differs based on every situation geographically, radiologist comfort, many other factors. But in general, 5 to 10% is the callback rate. So if you happen to get a call, you are in that 5 to 10% group of women. It's not like we're calling all of them back. But certainly, I think the woman needs to come with a positive attitude that if it's benign, awesome. But if it is not benign, if it is a breast cancer, she got to know it. But at the same time, not to get um, fearful or anxious at the phone call because really at the end of it, it's all for her benefit. Somebody is looking out for her. You know, somebody is looking to make sure that she is saved from this bad situation if there were to be one. So I think she should look at the benefit of knowing that something was hiding and it's caught rather than, oh, what if it's there? You know, it's it's a mental situation. And really, I feel very sad to call someone and realize it was nothing. But at the same time, when you look at the imaging, cancer can look the same. What do you do? So we're all learning. But we are getting better and better, I think, with better technology like the 3D mammogram. The callback rate for 3D mammogram is much lower than a 2D, maybe even 3-4%. So those kind, and also also having radiologists who are, Expert. No, I won't say expert really in every way, but you know who. I would say you're an expert. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I mean, radiologists who are focused into it, who do it most of the time, who are reading 20,000, 30,000 mammograms a year or something like that, a big number, they are more likely going to know whether to let go or keep that finding. So it's better to go to a dedicated breast center where you have radiologists who are maybe fellowship trained and doing this like a routine full time job. And they, uh, and also have the right technology, um, like a 3D mammogram. And we are doing our best to bring the false positive rate down the best we can. So um, I think it's okay. It's not a big number, but if it is there, come with a calm attitude that either way you're going to be fine. I love that attitude. And I'm so glad, Dr. Meg, that you're looking at my girls when, <laughs> when I come here. So I'm just saying that right now. Thank you. And I have to tell you, I the 3D actually, um, I had those false... Im- false positives prior to the 3D. Once I had the 3D mammograms, I have not had any false positives. 3D mammograms have done a great job in reducing false positives, meaning 
we are able to look into the breast at one millimeter slice intervals. We are able to get detailed information so much into the breast layer by layer that we can now catch any teeny mini cancer that's sitting in between tissues better. Awesome. At the same time, we are able to look at a spot and say, that's nothing. That's not anything to jump around and call this woman back for. So in other words, 3D mammograms are basically the same machine is used, but it it gets pictures across a, an arc as it goes from one side to the other. The woman is having the same positioning, everything. It's just four seconds each view. And the computer of the machine gen takes all that information and gives the radiologist the ability to look into the breast at one millimeter slice intervals and give very good idea of whether something is there or not. So women with dense breasts, I think they are, they are really uh, going to do very well with 3D mammograms, which we've shown through studies. And so 3D mammogram is the state of the art in mammography now. Can I ask, I know we've talked about finding lumps in your breasts, uh, the feel of the breast, the, the, the tissue feeling differently. Are there any other signs or symptoms that people need to be aware of uh, to say, whoa, I need to go and see, see someone about this? So not only should you feel your breasts for changes, you should also look at your breasts in a mirror. Um, you should look at them in a neutral position. You should raise your arms up to see if there's any change. You should watch for the nipple um, inverting in the breast. Um, any sort of physical change on the outside of the breast that you can see. A focal area of pain. Discharge, perhaps, that's clear or bloody. Um, there's, there's a multitude of different things like that as, along with breast self-exam. Yeah, I think that's totally, I mean... Um, any kind of uh, discomfort in the breast. Um, you know, there are some, you know, sadly, some breast cancer conditions that can mimic an infection. So if they have fever, if even if they have redness, uh, skin redness, warmth, sensation, I think they can do well by getting it checked instead of uh, uh, just assuming it's an infection. So being aware of the the, the physical appearance of the breast visually palpation wise would be the right way to go. I would just like to say that I know women are busy. I know it's hard to take time out of that busy time in your lives. You're taking care of your husband, you're taking care of your kids, you're taking care of your family and your friends. And sometimes you put yourself a little bit on that back burner. And I'm just as guilty of that as I'm sure you all are here mm -hmm. too. But one thing to remember in order for you to continue to care for your family, your friends, and whatnot, you've got to take care of yourself so that you're there. So one thing you have to do is take that 15 minutes for yourself, get yourself checked, and then you're able to be able to be there for a long time for your family and your friends. You need to be your own pink warrior. You know, you need to, I mean, that, I think that's why we're sitting down today because we've all been affected by it some way or another. And we know the importance of yearly physicals, mammograms, and weekly breast health, looking at yourself, checking everything out, and uh, just being your own pink warrior to make sure that you can live a life that's quality and be there for your loved ones, be, be able to enjoy every single day with your loved ones. And um, that's why it is so important that we all do this and we take the time because life is busy and uh, we still want to continue to be busy. And that's why we, we do these type of things. So hopefully, you know, someone out there listening 
takes something from this podcast, talk about it with your friends. Don't be nervous to come in and get a mammogram. Don't be nervous to go ask your, if you're seeing something that's strange looking on your breast um, or feeling strange, get checked. Because as you said, Dr. Meg, even if you find out if it's cancer, we can do something. You can do something about it. And the survival rate to this is so great if you get it done early. There are lots of resources out there for women, too. If for some reason maybe they don't have insurance or they have a high deductible plan or whatever the cause um, for not having a mammogram covered by insurance. But there are resources in each community for that. You just need to reach out to your local breast center and I I can guarantee most of them will have some sort of resource or phone number for you to call um, so that you can get that as a covered service. I'd like to thank our experts today, Dr. Meg and Kelly. Just make sure that if you have any questions about your own self, that you're searching for that help that's out there. And we want to hear your voice. So if you have any questions about today's podcast, please, again, send us some uh, questions or uh, anything that you, you want us to know about. Uh, And we can relay that message to Dr. Meg and to Kelly and get those uh, questions answered for you. So, again, podcast at mercyhealth.com. And thanks for listening, guys. And check those girls out.